0: Brooklyn, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. plays Dennis, a teenager who is living in the Red Hook neighborhood of Brooklyn with an abusive father. Seeing a dead end life ahead of him, Dennis figures out a way for him and his friends to make money fast so that he can get out of Brooklyn and find a new start. Screenplay by Maddie Rich, directed by Maddie Rich, and released on june 13, ninety one. Have you seen Straight Out of Brooklyn before? No. Have you heard of this movie before?
1: No, I haven't. And when we watched this movie, I thought it was gonna be a comedy. Oh really? <laughs> well, when we well we watched this on VHS, so the for we only watched one trailer that was the only one available, and it was for the movie *Living Large*. Yeah, another nineteen
0: ninety one movie.
1: Which is. A comedy
0: yeah about a uh, aspiring newscaster who gets his big break when he is live on the scene when somebody dies on air and he sort of takes over and like becomes huge
1: and I feel like I've seen this movie because it like opened up a memory and I was like <laughs> I feel like I've seen this but yeah but usually Trailers at the beginnings of movies, don't they? They're always similar to the movie you're about to see.
0: Uh, yes and no. I mean, it could be just other stuff from the same company that's releasing at the same time. I Every think in this year. case, it's like, oh, they're both urban, so let's put you know another black centric movie uh, in okay. the front of this. Okay, you know? all right, but it's this happens (laughs) so it's
1: i don't know okay yeah because i mean even when you go to the movies now like if you watch an action movie all the trailers beforehand are gonna be action movies sometimes
0: yeah i mean for the most part it is more cohesive like that but you know in vhs days they're not going to promote other companies movies whereas at the movie theater they don't have as much control over that the theater decides what trailers
1: once when the the credits started rolling the music is very solemn and I was like I was like oh okay this is not a comedy yeah
0: it's either a a very farcical movie or it's a a melodrama and it, it is a melodrama I mean, I could also understand possibly thinking it's a comedy, and that Straight Out of Brooklyn could be considered as a play off of Straight Out of Compton in like a comedic way. If you don't know anything well, about it, you know.
1: Uh, I was reading but, up about the director, and it seemed like that's he was doing a play off of Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. Like, re- by naming this movie.
0: Which which is a weird choice, and I think it's also interesting in that they're not only opposite coasts yeah. but also opposite meanings of what they're trying to accomplish because straight out of Compton is saying I'm representing Compton whereas this movie is saying straight out of Brooklyn I want to get straight, straight the fuck out, out of this yeah. place
1: I literally want to get st- yeah
0: yeah so that you know from that construction you can definitely see that but yeah it's it's not a comedy um I can't even really think if if they have any, like, comedic moments, any, like, comic relief. There's a little bit of, like, gentle ribbing between the girlfriend and Dennis. I think
1: that one part where his two friends were in that, um...
0: The barbershop?
1: I guess, but I was also thinking about when they were in that store. Oh, sure. Like, kind of just goofing off, and then when they were, um... Like, checking out that other dude's girlfriend, I guess. But then that yeah. turns into a fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not a physical altercation, but just but verbal. Just, yeah, verbal. And
1: then... I think that's the only... Comedy? I don't... But in yeah. one of the friends who is... Um, I think that Larry Love, who is the director. Yes. Which is interesting how the writers or directors always who act in their movies always play the Lothario person. <laughs>
0: it has been that way, hasn't it? This is the third yeah. movie
1: we've seen where yeah. that's happened.
0: All New York, right?
1: Yeah, they're all New York-centric Yeah, centric movies. <laughs> but yeah, the, Larry Love. It, it, I think he's like the comedy relief, but it's only minimal. It like is Like when minimal. he's hitting on that one girl, I don't even, it wasn't Dennis's girlfriend because it was someone No, it was just some random person okay, that i happened ran- to see
0: in a store. Yeah. Because those, those characters don't come back at all. Like. Yeah. It's just a scene to kind of establish who they are. Um, this, this guy, Larry, and then, uh, Kevin?
1: Yeah. the other one? Yeah.
0: Um, I didn't write down a lot of names that I should have because most of these people didn't have screen acting credits afterwards. So, um, I neglected to do that because it messed me up with the character names. The, uh, there's probably eight people in this movie. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's but more just, than that. There's random, in terms of people like, people on main the sidelines. Yeah. It's like the four family members, the girlfriend, the two friends. Yeah, and then it's about eight the two people. two the mem- two gang members that play a role in the end. Yeah, it's about eight people. <laughs> but, I mean, there are other But there's other people. people on the sidelines, but... Like the guy who gives them the car was the barber. And then the guy who yeah, gives them the gun. Yeah, the And then, you know, the, the... Yeah, there's random people. The bartender. The people at the car wash. Or uh, gas station. Whatever. Um. It's... I think it's also important to note, relatively early on, that Matty Rich was, I think, 17 when he first started production of this movie, yeah. and it released when he was 19 years old. It made it to Sundance in January of 1991. We're using June as the release date for the wide release, um, because I don't think we have an actual January date for Sundance. That's it. We've had troubles with that in the past. so right. We're going with the actual confirmed release date of June. But it did play in Sundance. It did get some Spirit Award nominations. But it is very rough around the edges because it was made by a teenager. (laughs) It is very much, very much noticeable. Um, And not knowing it's made by a teenager kind of affected my enjoyment of the movie. A bit more. It's sort of like Vegas in Space, where you kind of like have a greater appreciation of the movie a little bit more after the fact when you realize who yeah, it was I, and how it got. Yeah,
1: because I read up on how, he, the way that he got funding for this movie is similar how they got funding for Vegas in Space, where he was maxing out credit cards and, and like then,
0: going on like radio shows yeah, and like asking for donations. Right. And stuff.
1: So it's that similar. Even though Vegas in space, it took them what like eight years or something to yeah actually get it all together, and this was two maybe mm-hmm. but yeah he he was able to get four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make this
0: movie, yeah, all told across the spectrum and which is it's incredible
1: all these people, the actors in it, they were acting for free,
0: mm-hmm. And most of them didn't go on to do anything, but there are a couple except that, for that did. Yeah, except Dennis, for our star. Yeah, yeah, Dennis. Um, which makes sense that he's the lead. It, it, you know, I know that sometimes there's a tendency for actors or writers, directors to put themselves in like the lead role. Yeah. But I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> I'm right. Glad that Mary Rich didn't. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with the Larry character. Well, but, I don't
1: know. He's just in it for, like, five minutes as, I don't, this, uh, yeah, he's trying to be this Lothario-type, hitting on all the chicks-type guy. And, it, you and know, it, then that's
0: it's it. Just, it's just him and Kevin talking a big game to each other and just sort of, like, ribbing each other nonstop about, yeah. like, oh, you were this person, oh, you, you don't know anything. And they're just, like, sort of, like, talking in circles around each other nonstop. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that kind of uh, shows the the lack of technical ability in this movie is the sound design, because it's really tough to hear what they're saying at times, um, because it is tough to mic a scene in a public setting. And when you have multiple actors probably all being picked up by the same microphone, if I had to guess, based off of the production value, that makes it a lot tougher. And when Larry stuffing his face with food and trying (laughs) to talk, it also makes it a lot tougher. So, and
1: we're watching this on VHS. Yeah, on a low quality VHS. You know, closed <laughs> so, caption. It's we don't. Th- there were some scenes where I'm like, I don't even know what they're saying.
0: Yeah, including like part of the opening scene, unfortunately. Yeah, when the
1: father was. I mean, we should give this is a trigger warning because there's domestic violence. Yes. In this movie. In the very, I mean, the when the movie starts, it's this solemn music and you have the father, Ray, who is yelling at the mother. He's like throwing plates and he was yelling about something. And I was like, I don't, it's like, how are they going to go to college? But he kept on talking about the daughter. Like she, he kept on saying she this. Yeah, and, like he was mad about the and I daughter. Heard, not like, oh well, going... they need
0: to have they need to have winter coats. They don't have money for winter coats, and it made it seem like he was yelling at the mom for like spending not... their money but... in weird ways or like I don't know, just wasting their money in some way. But I don't think that's what it actually is. I think it's just him being a, a He's drunk, drunk and blaming his own problems on other people. But it's hard to hear a lot of that stuff. With, like, the plate-smashing sound effects. Yeah. And with, like, some of the echo reverb of the location itself. Um, it kind of lessened the impact, unfortunately. Because you couldn't grasp everything that was being said. I, I do believe this movie is on DVD, and so if you have subtitle access, use that. Um, but, yeah, we had a little bit of a tough time. We got the gist of it, but we didn't know the specifics. At least on the early scene.
1: Well, yeah, in the er- in the early scene, you just... the. You just see him yelling at her, throwing plates, and then you see Dennis, and it cuts to Dennis in his room. You know he's trying to sleep. His that he and his sister share a room. He looks over at his sister, and she's sound asleep, and he can't go to sleep because of the yelling. Uh-huh. And that's what you get in the <laughs> first thing, and um, with Ray just kept. On yelling these random things that really didn't make sense because you didn't know what was going on with them. Right. Like you don't know who these people are yet, but he's like, "How is she supposed to go to college? And how is everyone supposed to go? How is supposed people supposed to eat? And blah blah blah." I'm like, "Who's he talking about? Like his children or just people in general?"
0: Yeah, he's definitely but, talking about his children. But, but like the it, way he was
1: yelling is if the mother is responsible for people being poor or something. But
0: yeah, it, it made it sound like the mom was responsible for like blowing the money on something. But, but we don't. It, it doesn't. Sh- seem we like don't that's even see
1: the mom. The mom literally just goes to the store to buy food for them and make food. But I mean, that's the only time we ever see her use money?
0: Yeah, I mean, she's also, like, actively working because she gets fired because her face is too bruised to show up.
1: Well, she's trying to get more work because we show her go to that... Is it a temp agency? I was trying to figure it out. Is she... Some sort
0: of social services.
1: Okay. But this is what bothered me. If they're, like, a social worker, social services place... And they obviously know that she is... Because the woman that is interviewing her or trying to find a job for her is like, you know, you can tell me... Because she sees the, the mother is trying to cover her face with makeup and but also she's talking with like her hand over her mouth because that's where all her bruises are. And this woman, the social worker, person Uh is just like you know you can tell me if something is wrong like something wrong is happening in your home but like fast forward
0: I mean she just refuses help.
1: yeah But but fast forward to when she's getting fired they're like we're firing you because of the bruises on your face wouldn't they just intervene and be like, we're going to get you help?
0: Well, she refuses help then, too. The mom does.
1: And I was like, what is she doing that the bruises on her face bother people? What, did, what type uh, of work? I, I think I know she, she had housekeeping work. type okay. stuff. So the woman but she's... It just, you know
0: it made other people Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. To see this person with this stuff on So,
1: but why fire her? Just help her, even I, even though I know she doesn't want the help.
0: Because uh, it's written by a 17-year-old. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I think that's part of the issue that we have to kind of keep in mind here, too. You know, some of these situations are going to be exaggerated for effect. Just like with a lot of movies, I think this is one of those things where it's like, Everything's taken to the extreme just for the impact of the movie. Be like, look, no one can get ahead because of things that aren't their fault, necessarily. So, yes, there are definitely better ways to come across that, but then that wouldn't really lead into the ending of the movie. So, yeah, the, uh, the... there's even like a scene with the mom which is uncomfortable and I think it's meant to be uncomfortable where she's talking with the daughter about how she basically needs to accept the abuse and she's he, like they, the family is everything that Ray has and so you know it, it's it, like a lot of a lot of unfortunate language about like not saying, she's not saying like it's her fault, she's not saying whatever but she's like I love him too much that I need to take this from him. Well, yeah, she call.
1: also really can't afford to leave.
0: Yeah, and no one can afford to leave either, but she's rationalizing in her head by yeah. basically saying like, look, she, she's the like Ray. doesn't anything. Like when have he's not drinking, he's
1: fine. So yeah. it's like if I can keep him from drinking, then maybe everything would be okay.
0: Yeah. Um yeah it's it's difficult because some of these there's a lot of scenes in this movie that kind of allude to bigger picture things but it never goes past that um partly because i think it wants to be a a quicker snappier movie which doesn't really happen um but also i think it's tough to really talk about those issues in depth as a teenager (laughs) so you know you are alluding to certain things i think like even with ray's job where he's working at this gas station and he comes home talking about how the white man's holding him down Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff like what do you know about being black he says that to his son um or maybe even the mom i don't remember um says it to somebody who is black the yeah, it was his son. It was the son. Okay, um, the uh, when we see him at the gas station, he's refusing to work.
1: Right, and
0: and then he gets the customer to complain to the manager, and then he's blaming that whole situation on the white man who forced him to work. So there's like commentary in all of that that's listed, at, you know, at the surface level, mm-hmm. where it's basically showing that like Ray is self destructive. And that some of the things that he says, the writer knows are bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? But then there's also other parts of it that, like, when Dennis is talking to his girlfriend, Shirley, and they're looking out over the the water to the the high-rises on the other side.
1: Yeah, they're looking at
0: Manhattan. He said, um, so Shirley's basically saying, like, why don't you go to college and, like, do things right uh, and he's like, well, I don't have four or five years to do things. That's going to be too long. I need to make money the fast way. And he's talking about how corporate America stepped on the black man. It's like, they didn't do it the right way either. Like, you think those people over there did yeah, it the right he, way? They he did he not. He said, you
1: know how they built that? By stepping on the black man.
0: Yeah. So it's both sides of the same coin. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, both is blaming things on, on race relations. One is a, more appropriate than the other. And I think, you know, like, th- like those types of service issue bullet points are all over the movie, but, you know, you never really get to dive into them in the same way that you would in something like Boys in the Hood. This one is a little bit more stereotype-ish, just not even so much about the the urban experience is, as it were, I think it's more about just the beats of a melodrama, you know, like, cause it's like, okay, the, you have the, the abusive family, you have the kid who wants to do more, you have, like, the, the do-nothing friends, you have, um, the love interest that wants to support him but can't, you have, you know, the, I don't know. There's like a whole bunch of like different little pieces of this story that it seems like it's something that we've seen a bunch of different times, maybe not in 1991, but just in general, um, that didn't quite work for me. I think also part part of the problem is that the pacing is very slow within the scenes. So like the scenes themselves are kind of short, but within the scenes, because of the way it was produced, because of the production values virtually everything is one long shot. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So you have like a camera set up in the corner of a room and then everything gets said. And so there's long pauses in between each individual sentence, which probably should have been cut around or could have, if you had multiple cameras and could do coverage like in a normal, you know, higher budget production here, it's just one camera and some actors and here you go. We'll work with the amount of film we're able to afford. So because of that, they're trying to remember their lines or they're pausing to give some editing room or whatever it is, and now it's all slow and methodical, and it kind of ruins some of the stuff that they're saying. Like when the dad is talking about how he was working at the the gas station, he was given a car wash and he saw his reflection in the car and all he saw back looking at him was failure. Yeah, I mean, he's... That's a good bit of dialogue, but it's kind of ruined by the pacing.
1: I think, yeah, he's dealing (laughs) with depression. I I mean, then he just goes and drinks when he's done working. And he's just in a deeper depression.
0: Yeah, I think he knows that a lot of what he says is not true. I think he's trying to make himself believe that it's true. You know, I think he's like a delusional drunk but he's trying to make himself believe the delusion just to
1: yeah that whole monologue he had where he's home alone and he looks in the mirror and he's talking to himself but it's as if he's talking to the white man yeah something he wants to say to his boss but he would never say to his face uh-huh. ever. And it yeah. kind of just makes him angry or angrier.
0: Yeah, it makes him angrier. It, like, there's there's something there that just doesn't quite get fleshed out the way it, it could or should. Um, and it, I think it's just, you know, an experience. You know, like, if this were Maddie's, like, fifth film, we mm-hmm. probably would have a much better scene there.
1: But, I mean, it was kind of saying this all that poignant but it's like
0: yeah it's not ineffective like there there are poignant things in what's being said but it loses some of its impact because of how it was produced but generally speaking I mean you have decent actors for a majority of the cast not everybody because a lot of these people are unknowns who never went on to do anything and they're just kind of like helping out or maybe they would have been friends of the the director I don't know um, but we have like George Odom as Ray Brown, who, this is his first role, but he did go on into other supporting actor work and other stuff. I think generally speaking, he was quite good. Yeah. Um, of course, Dennis is awesome in this too. Yeah. Uh, and also the girlfriend, Shirley, Rihanna E. Drummond. She's, she had a really good rapport with Dennis. I really liked their dynamic, especially in the happier times that they showed. Yeah, that's
1: why I thought, I mean, were they really together? Was that... I mean, I couldn't find a lot of stuff. I'm not gonna, like, you know, behind the scenes or...
0: All I know is Lawrence said that he was very lucky to have auditioned for this and got the role. So, he he purposely auditioned for it. Oh, okay. He
1: actually auditioned for this role. But, I mean, he's the best part of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's 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 the strongest performer of them all. Um I think Luther also like the the lead gang member guy who doesn't really show up in any meaningful way until the last Near the 15 end. minutes or so. I think he also was good in what limited performance he had there too. So there is some there's some good stuff in there. I think the mom unfortunately was a little bit over the top.
1: Yeah, the whole Part. I mean, I, I understood this scene, but the part where Dennis spends the night over at Shirley's place and it's three in the morning and the mom hears gunshots and then she wakes up suddenly and she's looking for Dennis thinking that the gunshots are... Dennis.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh good you, get, you know, it, it's it's happened now. And it's so happened,
1: like, I can't find my son, where's my son? And she's having, like, this mental breakdown in the middle of the apartment
0: Yeah.
1: And Ray and the sister, I don't is the sister Carolyn?
0: Yes. Okay. Sister's Carolyn. Also another good performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's trying to calm the mom down, but her that I was kind of like, I don't know, it was a little over the top. Like, she was trying, like, ripping her hair out and stuff. I was like, oh my god. I mean, I understood yeah. the scene. I understood why she was freaking out. I get uh-huh. that. Like, the it's like with Boys in the Hood.
0: Yeah, it's like the Ricky thing, except no one actually died. Yeah. But... Yeah, she I, just I
1: automatically agree. thought that her son was dead.
0: Yeah, which again is like, it's the inkling of a really good thing to include in the movie. It's like, yeah, this mom is like torn because she knows that her son is sometimes out There's violence out, and there's out there violence and gangs. in there and Like you know, any any day could be his last. Yeah, like there's the seed of something that doesn't quite get to grow and sprout the way it needs to. Um, but that's that's one of those examples of, you know, almost there.
1: But, okay, yeah. And then that's when, I mean, because uh, Dennis wakes up. I mean, he spends the night at Shirley's house, but he's not, like, meaning to sleep over. Yeah. And that's when he wakes up, and it's 3 a.m., and he comes back. And that's when the father, Ray, is waiting up for him, and that's when he... The Ray was talking to Dennis, like, you don't know what it's like to be black.
0: Yeah, he says it at the very beginning, too, because it's, like, one of my first notes, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, is I wouldn't be surprised if it was a recurring theme with him, because Ray is very race-focused. Yeah. Dennis is very money-focused, and all he cares about is making as much money as possible. And,
1: like, getting the fuck out. Yeah, and so, so we haven't
0: really talked about the main reason he's done that. Or or how he's attempting to do. Like
1: he's that. telling his f- when they were when he was with his friends. His friends are like, yeah, let's all get jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he Dennis is like, no, we need like a million dollars now, type of thing. Like we mean we need to be making lots of money now.
0: Yeah. And, and so the, the friends are basically just hangers on. Yeah. They, like. The times that they're on screen, they're just jabbering nonstop. Like, you can see yeah, that I like didn't, there's...
1: a lot of the times I didn't... Once again, I didn't really... Because they're talking over each other. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know what they're saying.
0: And that's one of the things I kind of liked about this movie in a, in a weird way. Is like, it, it, like, the the dialogue is probably somewhat improvised, especially between those two, Larry and Kevin. Um, but it is very naturalistic. Yeah. in terms of what they're saying like I definitely heard yeah, similar just, conversations when I was in high school amongst people so
1: yeah they were just like fucking with each other which is fine but I don't know what some of the stuff they were saying because they were just like talking over each other
0: and it was also virtually meaningless too because it was also yeah. you know it's almost all about like oh well this girl this girl whatever um but Dennis is trying to shut them up and basically say look Let's Look, get we need money <laughs> fast, and I'm gonna think of something. And I'm like, all right, cool. And when he thinks of something, he's like, "You see that guy, Saladin? We're gonna rob him." Uh, Saladin is like another gang member. He's like the number two to Luther in this situation, but we don't really fully know that yet. Um, yeah. So he, they talk about it, and it's like, "Oh, well, I can." Um, Kevin I think says, "Well, I can get a car," and. A gun mm-hmm. and then okay well we'll do that and then we'll stick them up we'll take the money and we'll leave as soon as possible and so part of the scenes most of the scenes is really about the family dynamic and also dennis and shirley's relationship and then every once in a while you get a scene of kevin and larry talking to their uncle scotty who's the barber yeah. asking about borrowing the car and all that kind of stuff, or they have that weird scene with Skeet, where they're trying to get the gun, and he's like, well, "I want to give you this gun. Mm-hmm. You're a family friend, and if anything happens to you, then don't make me regret it." But I'm going to give you the gun. Mm-hmm. It's weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, but I also it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I don't know.
1: It's just that it. This is what. What's bothering me is that, like, Dennis is just so anxious to get this money. and, But he goes... When he's talking to Shirley again, I don't know if this is... This is, like, another time. Because the first time when he's sleeping over, he doesn't tell her the plan. Right, just that
0: he has one.
1: He has one, but that's when they have this, like, really nice talk about she's like okay well what would you do if you had all this money and he's like i'm gonna buy buy us a house and she's like well i want two car. you know they're like dreaming big uh-huh. like i want two cars and this and that and he's like yeah. okay i'll give it to you
0: but she's obviously not taking it serious yeah she's yeah. just
1: like humoring him or whatever but then he's like 100% serious and then the second time that they meet up that's when he tells her the plan and she's like what the fuck she's like I can't be with you
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're gonna do this
0: yeah and they break up yeah, <laughs> yeah they...
1: but when they do hold up that guy it's they didn't have a good plan They no,
0: none of it was thought through
1: yeah it was just like, yeah, we're gonna rob this guy, and we are rich. <laughs> it's like what well, it's kind of, it's like step one, rob man. Step two, we have money. Yeah, like they don't think of all the repercussions that's gonna happen. I don't know.
0: No, they don't at all. And, and, and <laughs> like honestly, like Kevin and Larry are just kind of like not even truly thinking about the plan in any meaningful way until after it's happened. And they're like,
1: oh shit! They, know, like, oh, who yeah, we they are. know who we are.
0: They're gonna come after us. I don't want to have anything to do with this. But it's as if it's not too late.
1: I know this is a bunch of teenagers, but I'm just like, could you at least wear like fucking masks?
0: Well, I want Like, it, this is where like maybe having a DVD and commentary would be helpful. I'm not sure if it does or not. But like, was that part of the intention too? Was the ineptness of the plan part of the point? I'm inclined to say yes.
1: Because they're teenagers. They're just... They're too...
0: They're just too laser-focused on what their goals are that they're not actually thinking anything through. Yeah,
1: they're, like, too... I don't know, like, immature to come up with an actual
0: plan or... I don't know, like... Yeah, because, like, like Dennis basically thinks, okay, we're going to get the money and we're going to be out of here, like... By the yeah, afternoon, thinks, and then we're going to leave this world
1: behind. Well, that that's what he does when he shows the money to his dad, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, here, I like he just opens the briefcase, and he's like, here, I got the money, I got this money. And then his dad is like, where the fuck did you get this money? Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my god, I don't know. I was like, why would you do that this way? And yeah. then he's like, we can leave tonight. Like, he's all just, he's like too hyper-focused on, like, getting out. hmm And he doesn't think of, you know, like, XYZ other plans.
0: Yeah, he, he has no idea that, you know, people could possibly follow him wherever they go.
1: And the, in this neighborhood that he lives in, it's just, you know, everyone knows everyone.
0: Yeah. So
1: that guy knows, I mean, recognizes his face.
0: Yeah, because they didn't wear any sort of cover. Yeah,
1: that's this I was like wear a mat. Like if these people knew, I don't know if knew who he was. Like disguise yourself or something.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know the the movie kind of goes really fast at this point too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. some of the stuff um, like the way don't it ends is just the like all of a sudden. <laughs> so like kevin and larry they basically say we don't we disavow this robbery that just happened that we took part in and they don't want any part of the money whatever and then they're just gone i don't know how that really works in this world because you know they were actively there you would think that luther and saladin would be coming after would them would still too, be
1: mad because they were yeah. in the car
0: or use them dennis. to get to dennis whatever yeah None of that gets shown. They're just out of the picture at that point because we need to wrap things up. Um, That's
1: what I was thinking about. Boys in the Hood too, like with that the car of gangsters that went after Ricky.
0: What you mean, like when when Ice Cube like meets him in the parking lot, type of a thing? Yeah,
1: like yeah, like is when Ice Cube bumped into I forgot the other guy's name. Bumped into him, but. They saw Ricky walking along. They're like, oh, he was with Ice Cube or Doughboy. Let's get him to, you know, shoot him to be as a message to Doughboy. Like, I'm after you. Uh-huh. Like, what, they wouldn't do the same here with Luther going to one of the friends and doing the same thing. But instead, they, they see his dad...
0: So, yeah, well, before that, I mean, the mom's in the hospital.
1: Because, I mean, Because at this of the point, abuse. There's yeah. Some,
0: like, okay, there's there's like a nice, like, quasi-happy scene between the mom and the dad where the dad's, like, alone, just dancing to a song, having fun. It's like a whole-ass thing. And then the wife comes home be- from being terminated for being beaten. And they, they're sort of happy a little bit. But then, like, she tries to take the drink away from him, and then, like, he realizes that she's home because of him and his abuse, and he just he gets goes mad. after her again. Yeah,
1: like, he's mad at himself and takes it out on her. Yes.
0: And that puts her in the hospital. Yeah. So, at this point, like, the dad leaves the hospital where the mom is unresponsive to just kind of, like, get away from the situation. Meanwhile, Luther and the crew are trying to find... Dennis, but Dennis is in the hospital. No one knows that except for the dad. But they recognize, oh, that's Dennis's dad. And, and so this, they go after yeah, him. Yeah, the
1: scene is like so quick, and then yes. it ends so quickly. I was like, what?
0: It's very very quick, and basically they chase him down, and then and they shoot him. Again, very student film type of production where it's a lot of shot reverse shot, and then like a sound effect um, situation because that's you know you can't really. I don't think they had much production budget for something like a a Kevin or Larry getting shot mm-hmm. you know so they had like a little bit of blood, blood splatter they yeah. could put on Ray's neck and then that's what they show
1: yeah
0: Um and then right after the dad gets shot, shot the mom dies in the hospital Dennis basically screams no and then we see a quote in the end yeah it's very very fast all of a sudden The quote is something along the lines of the first things learned are the hardest to forget and something about passing those lessons on to future generations and how things need to change.
1: I mean, I did like this movie more than Cybernator.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it has a better production value than Cybernator, which is... is, As
1: a first film where Cybernator Cybernator is like one of many. (laughs) I don't know.
0: I mean, let's compare it to something like Clerks even right yeah because clerks is another like very low budget famously low budget movie um or even something like robert rodriguez uh el mariachi okay right like that's another very famous low budget movie when you consider the teenager factor of this too Mm -hmm. it's it's well done for what it is this is i mean look i went to film school i saw what film students actually produced yeah, This is on par with some of the better ones for that level of things. And for someone who didn't go to film school or graduate yeah, from film he, school, I should say. Um, he you did know,
1: go to film school, but for like a semester and then left. And then
0: dropped out. Yeah. Because when I went, it was expensive to go. You had yeah. to pay for all of your film costs. And when I was there, we shot on actual film, which was expensive. So... It's not like today where people can just pop out a phone and make movies and have them be relatively decent. Like, this was... This required effort and production and planning. I think Clerks benefited from being in a very small centralized location. Mm -hmm. Just like a couple little things. And having age on Kevin Smith's side. um, And the black and white feature of it all. This, I mean... I think this is more impressive than Clerks on that level. I think Clerks is a better made movie, but this is more impressive to me than Clerks is if we're comparing low budget movies. Um, but as a whole, as an actual film, if you don't know the history behind it, it's again kind of like Vegas in space where it leaves something to be desired. Hopefully, you know, get, you know, get. it's always fun to look into the backgrounds, it's not... It shouldn't be necessary to to enjoy things but it does sometimes increase your enjoyment of things but other people did enjoy it but i think most of the good reviews that i saw little blurbs from all kind of mentioned that this was rough around the edges so everyone kind of like said this is a good movie clearly it has some rough spots <laughs> like clearly it's not like the most professional thing in the world like they kind of like acknowledge that, even like Roger Ebert's review, it's like, you yeah. know, like this is made by a teenager, take it with the grain of salt type of a thing. I think it's an important thing to mention in this specific case. But it did get to Sundance. Um it won a special jury recognition award. It was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize. And then went on to the Independent Spirit Awards where it won the best first feature for Maddie Rich. And it was nominated for the best film music for Harold Wheeler, which is surprising to me um cuz it is extremely over the top soap opera
1: yeah that's this when we f- when the movie was just starting it was very like melodramatic like it was a a soap opera
0: yeah which honestly makes sense so Harold Wheeler who did the score did the score for all my children Okay. A thousand plus episodes of All My Children. He's done the Miss America pageant, he did, like, the Jacksons and American Dream TV movie, and he's also now doing Dancing with the Stars.
1: Which is... Does he... Okay, so he does, like, all the remakes of the songs that they have to dance
0: to? I don't know. Maybe he did the theme song for the show in general? Or, like, the bumper music or whatever?
1: Okay, so he's not...
0: I don't think he's involved in, like...
1: The guy Re-orchestrating who's...
0: Reorchestrating the hits.
1: Okay. All right.
0: But maybe his. I just saw I just saw Dancing with the Stars on his composer list.
1: Okay, so he probably did, like, the theme song and you whatever. Know.
0: Yeah. So um, he was able to get Harold Wheeler, someone who was established in the industry for this. And honestly, I think one of the things that, that kind of stood out to me in this movie is that there is a noticeable lack of pop music.
1: There was a couple was a songs, Kong, but it,
0: but not much. But again, this is a super low budget movie. You can't really afford the rights to like hits. Like
1: F the police or something. <laughs> yeah, that or whatever you <laughs>
0: might have like wanted to to use to make your point. And so a lot of this was done through weirdly TV. That's they had
1: music. when they were playing music from that boombox when they were just out hanging out and dancing. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I don't know who that was, though. I don't
0: know either. And then the song that the dad was dancing to, I don't remember who that was either. Yeah. But, you know, there's a couple songs. Excuse me, but not too many. Um, sorry, last Spirit nomination was for Supporting male for George T. Odom, who played Ray. Um, Dennis did not get a Spirit nom. That's weird. I mean, if he's a lead, then he has stiffer competition, potentially. So, in terms of casting crew, we have Manny Rich as the director writer slash Larry. He directed the Inkwell and he also wrote and directed the video game One Eight Seven: Ride or Die, um, which got middle of the road reviews. His self written IMDb biography indicates that he did a whole lot more stuff and that he got like production deals with various different companies. But all of the productions that he listed in his own bio, mm-hmm. I could not find actual listings for those on imdb so like he's talking about like this thing that he did with like whitney houston that was titled such and such i tried to search for that title nothing popped up there's like a three or four different examples in that way so maybe there were things that got started and then never actually materialized because that does happen in the industry a lot um so i'm sure he's been around but in terms of like writing and directing those are the main things Um, But yeah, he he lists himself as a producer on certain things. INDB does not corroborate that. George T. Odom played Ray Brown. Again, this is his first movie. He went on to do things on Who's the Man, The Hurricane, and also several episodes of Law & Order as different characters. Uh, Andy Sanders played Frankie Brown, which is the mom. She was in Raising the Heights. Um, Ali Wahab played Luther. This again was his first role. And he went on to do Fresh, Colors of Rage, and Bronx Tale, among others. And then the big star out of this is Lawrence Gilliard Jr. This is, again, his debut movie as well. Uh, he went on to do The George TV Show, as in George Foreman. Remember, he, he had a sitcom back yeah, in the day. I remember that. <laughs> so he was on that. Um, he was on The Deuce, uh, most notably The Wire, uh, and then Walking Dead, and then One Night in Miami, among other credits. So that's your casting crew that went on to do other stuff. Box office wise, I mean, it made two point seven million dollars, which is quite good.
1: Yeah, for a movie that raised half a million. So I mean Yeah. You doubled, almost tripled, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a five timer something like that. Um, good for 140 second on the box office performance, but in terms of like budget to profit ratio, not too shit. So we can move on to true crime and pop culture.
1: I did see that um, Matty Rich today. He is now the CEO of Matty Rich Games, where which specializes in family or- oriented and Christian themed video games.
0: Hmm. So he we went from 187 Ride or Die to the Christian World of Video Games. Yeah. Nothing's on his IMDB page, which is all I looked at, so I apologize if I missed something crucial, but, um, yeah. Possibly maybe working on some mobile mobile games or... This is from
1: an article that came out in 2011.
0: Oh, that was a while ago then.
1: Yeah. Alright, well, this movie we said was released on June 13th, 1991, which was a Thursday. We don't get a lot of Thursday releases.
0: We believe that was the wide release of the movie.
1: Yeah. I'm mostly just going to talk about TV because I found some stuff that we haven't talked
0: about before. Yeah.
1: And that's always fun for me.
0: <laughs> T-G-I-T.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I also found YouTube clips for all of the things that I found that was new. So I, I was excited. <laughs> On ABC, there was a special called Morris Salutes America's Pets. And I was like, who's Morris? Morris the Cat. Okay. I was like, (laughs) because when, okay, I looked.
0: The famous mascot of whichever food he was the mascot for. Nine lives?
1: Okay, because I was like, who the fuck is Mort? But when I looked up, I looked this up on YouTube, I think I found it. And it's just called A Salute to America's Pet TV Special. And then it says 1991. So I'm assuming it's this. I watched parts of it and it's just people talking about... Kind of like America's Funniest Home Videos with Animals. But then also like um, an educational thing where it's talking about... What horses can do, and then it's people showing, like, look at this cool thing that my dog does, like these tricks.
0: Uh huh. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just like people from uh, across America showing their dogs doing stuff. But then they also have, like, this, I don't know, talent show, maybe? I didn't watch the whole thing because it's just dogs doing tricks. And there was even a part where uh, they had Lily Tomlin with her dog. So I think it's just, you know, here's celebrities with their pets or something. I don't know. mix of
0: people who want their pets to be famous and then famous people with their pets.
1: So after that was, we've talked about this before, Gabriel's Fire that Mm -hmm. was on ABC. And then on CBS was Top Cops, which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. after that was a robin hood special robin hood prince of thieves because the Mm -hmm. next day on june 14th was the premiere of robin hood (laughs) so this was like an hour-long making of the robin hood movie
0: that came out before the movie yeah
1: which i thought was so interesting because i'm did they do this a lot with major movies Like, like I know, I know it happened.
0: I don't remember it happening before the movie releases, though. I thought it was like normally like afterwards because there'd be too many spoilers or whatever.
1: That's what I thought. Because, (laughs) but I was like, when did Robin Hood come out? But yeah, I had to look up the, the release date for Robin Hood and it's June 14th. So this was like a making of, and it was hosted by Pierce Brosnan for some reason. (laughs) Okay. But it's just I'm. They're showing behind the scenes like the fighting, and then they talk to Kevin Costner. They talk to the director Kevin Reynolds, and then for some reason there's like a bunch of kids who are like all into it. I'm like, this isn't really a kids movie.
0: They made toys, and video games.
1: Weird yeah but they talk to some other actors on the set and they talk about the story like the story of robin hood and they talk about the folklore of they go to england and they're talking to some historian about the real robin hood and Mm -hmm. whatever i just thought that was interesting and i have the entire youtube clip that was a, a show that i haven't We have not talked about and I haven't heard of before. And it's called Broken Badges. Okay. Okay, this was another thing that I found interesting. This was... (laughs) It was only seven episodes that aired. And the first five episodes aired in November and December of 1990. And then it didn't come back, like, episodes six and seven. Like, they just finished off the season in June. Huh. So there, there was, like, a whole six-month break, and I don't know why.
0: Yeah, it was just, like, treated as a complete, like, replacement of other failed shows, I guess.
1: Kind of like the busted pilots. Mm. They're probably like, this fucking show like, sucks, let's finish it, let's it, it off. It, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> The Broken Badges it's an American Canadian police procedural drama. Mm. It follows three police officers that they all have weird um nicknames. There's JJ Bullet Tin Greedies <laughs> who is <laughs> That's a woman, by the way, <laughs> who's played by Eileen Davidson, and Eileen Davidson is just really well known in the soap opera world. She's in Bold and the Beautiful, and Young and the Restless, and Days of Our Lives. Hmm. I mean, I don't know her, but she's in all Been three in a bunch, of those. Yeah. And who <laughs> she plays, JJ Bullington Greedy's, who's addicted to danger. And then there's Stanley Whipasall Jones, who is played by someone by the name of Jay Johnson. I looked him up, and I couldn't recognize him, but he is also a ventriloquist, <laughs> as well as an actor. Okay. So, let Because his who... name
0: sounds more familiar to me
1: jay johnson
0: yeah but there's been like a million different people with similar names i could be i could be mistaking it for a jay johnston you know
1: okay so he plays a comedy yeah okay Uh, i have the uh the youtube of the opening credits and they are like (laughs) it's just weird it's I mean, you're gonna look it on. I'll make yeah, you. I'll, I'll make you watch it because I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, is this I'm supposed intrigued. to be? Yeah.
0: Because uh, <laughs> there was that one show we talked about before, Hammer Sledgehammer, that was like a parody of like research. Yeah, that's why I'm like,
1: is this supposed to be serious or funny? And it also kind of looks like it's, um, like bad people turned who turned into cops or something because the third cop (laughs) I haven't even gotten to it is Toby Baker who is played by Ernie Hudson who is a kleptomaniac so all were on psychiatric leave from the police department together with their former New York or New Orleans cop Bo Jack Bowman who is played by Miguel Ferrer Hmm. and police psychiatrist who is played by charlotte lewis from Bear essentials yeah. <laughs> they form a crime fighting team but I, yeah i'm, I'm it intrigued now was... <laughs> there's intrigued. seven there's seven episodes and then that was it it ended june 20th so june 13th was the penultimate <laughs> episode hmm. i mean i don't know if there are episodes on youtube i
0: But at least the opening credits. are. Yeah, the
1: opening credits are in there. I didn't really look further into it,
0: but yeah. Fascinating. Boy, there needs to be a service to just make this stuff available to the public. Like
1: failed shows.
0: Yeah, it's the copyright holders. Just throw some shit up there and just put random commercials on.
1: Pluto or something. Why not? Instead of playing the same five episodes. Baggage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, so on the other channels were, like, typical stuff. On Fox was The Simpsons, Babes, which we talked about before, and Beverly Hills, 90210. And then on NBC was The Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, Seinfeld, L.A. Law. I mean, NBC was had all the hits.
0: Broken Bad just had no chance. No.
1: I mean, this episode that aired... Broken Badges had 6.3 million watchers. That's Which is so crazy. (laughs) That's impossible. All right. Something that I saw in the news this is, to me, like weird news and and historical events and also sports talk, I guess.
0: (laughs) Which you're not into most of the time, so it must be. Somewhat interesting, I No, read.
1: it's just, um, but this is the reason why they don't do this anymore. But on June 13th, 1991, a spectator was killed by lightning at a U.S. Open golf tournament. Mm. So on, I, there's this article that I, it, this happened in Minnesota and there's like a couple articles that I read. One of them was from the twincities.com website talking about it. was This came out, this uh, article came out in 2016, just talking about remember when this happened?
0: Mm. Like
1: a storm fell and killed a person. But um, the reason why they. I remember not too long ago.
0: There, there was, was a, a situation storm. where yeah, it was like trees fell over during a call term. I don't think it was storm related at all. I think but trees did, just were people fell.
1: evacuated.
0: People almost like nobody got hit, but it was like during an active tournament.
1: Because the reason for no this, was no reason
0: to them like to possibly evacuate. Because like, oh. again, I don't think it was a storm. I think just trees just fell, fell. over. Yeah. Okay,
1: well the the reason for this fatality is. Now, when they have a golf tournament and there's a storm, they stop the game and they tell everyone to evacuate. But at this time, on June 13th, 1991, there was like a lightning storm. So they told people to hide or just get shade under a tree during a rainstorm. Don't you know
0: that by 1991 already? Fuck if I know. (laughs) I
1: don't know. I was like, that's why I thought this was weird news. (laughs) And... A lightning stro strike the tree and it killed a spectator. Unfortunately, this man by the name of Billy Fidel died. But and it let in this lightning strike also hospitalized five other people because they stood under a tree during a rainstorm be- during this open and they were on the sixteenth fairway. So it was like. The game's almost over, so uh-huh. why don't we ride out through. the storm?
0: Yeah, public sporting events do not mess around mm-hmm. with that. Even like public concerts in open air, we just saw yeah. like, like, Beyonce recently too, where like the because there was lightning possible, everyone had to get like undercover and had to be out of the open air. Well yeah, air. that
1: happened in D C yeah. recently.
0: Yeah. I mean That happens in sports arenas and stuff like that a lot all the time. Because if there's a possibility... Yeah, if there's lightning
1: and you're in open air...
0: But gosh, I could have sworn that the science behind trees conduct electricity was known in 1991. They wouldn't have told people to... Yeah, just hide behind a tree. Yeah. Who knows.
1: But that's my weird historical news that involves sports
0: fascinating stuff so we'll move on to rankings and ratings then Uh, where on your 1 to 5 star scale are you going to put straight out of Brooklyn
1: um I I can't remember what I gave Vegas in space
0: I don't know either
1: but I'm just gonna give this a 2 okay
0: in hopes that you're slightly under Vegas in space or on par with
1: kind of on par okay because i remember i mean vegas in space is not a great movie but because what we learned about the making of the movie made me like the movie yeah and that's kind of the same thing with this movie
0: yeah and and i don't think this is a movie a movie that's all that bad on its own but knowing the history does enhance it on my zero to four star scale i'm gonna say it's a two and a half. I'd say it's, like, slightly above average. Um, boy, I wish there was a little more seasoning, though, because there, there's just, like, some... We talked about it, there's several different things in this movie that are alluded to, or there's just, like, a little hint of what...
1: Could have been more. What could
0: have been more substantial, could have been more meaningful if it had some room to breathe or expand or whatever. So, Yeah. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again?
1: I would watch this on DVD with commentary and maybe closed captions so I knew what people were saying.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. I think the only reason I would watch this again is if there was like a director with a Q&A screening or some sort of a commentary situation. Otherwise... I appreciate I it for what it is. I don't want to watch it on I don't, VHS again. I don't need to see it again as as it stands. Um, but if you out there do want to watch Straight out of Brooklyn, as of this recording in August 2023, it's only available on VHS or DVD, but it's always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 movie rewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the fullest of movies, long show notes, and more, including YouTube videos for obscure shows. Yeah. Uh, next week, we've gone west to east, west to east. Now we're going into the, the range. We're going to watch City Slickers, finally. Uh, that's available on Prime, Roku, Digital Rental, VHS, and DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.